Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library, yeah, standing there behind the counter willing to help. No, my, I don't like. Kia ora and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge. This is your host, Alison, and I'm joined in the studio today by my colleague, Inika. Kia, oh, oh, I was going to say Kiorana, Inika, oh, great for yeah, Cook Kia, Island. Kiorana for Cook Island Language Week. So, Kia ora and welcome. Um, good to have you back in the lounge. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Alison. It's it's great. Hey, and we're going to talk today about what we're reading, of course, and then what's on our TBR lists. Awesome. And then I actually have a new curve to describe. Sorry, something to look look forward to because you know I'm missing the curves. Yes, I love a good curve. (laughs) Hey, so now you've been reading something really interesting that you're telling me about. Yes, yes, I have. So this um, this week I read um, Kim Ji Yong, born 1982, by Chu Nam Ju. Um, This is a a novel in translation, so it's been translated into English um, from Korean. Um, and it came out this year, and it's available in our fiction collection and also an ebook and e audio. Um, but it was originally published in 2016 in Korean. So, yeah, there was always a bit of a lag with um, books and translation. Yeah, it there seems. is, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this one was a bona fide hit in um, South Korea. It and the book came out um, and it coincided with their Me Too movement, or over in, oh. Co- in South Korea it was called the With You movement. Um, uh, this book was credited with opening up public conversation about the power imbalance that women had been sort of living under for a long time and had basically taken as read. Um, so a really important book to read for um, for us and also, yeah, for Korea it was absolutely huge, South Korea I should say. Mm. Um, this book, so Kim Ji Young. Um, now, this name and the title um, is sort of the equivalent of a Jane Doe. Kind oh, of a name. right, yes. And the way the story runs is really that it's a story of an every woman in Korea. Mm. Um, so, but based on one person. Um, so, when we first get into the book, she's um, struggling with motherhood. She's she's back at home. She's got a much smaller world than she had because she's had to uh, give up her career in order to um, to be a mum and. And one day, her feelings about um, her world having got so small start to spill out. Now, it's it's interesting. Um, the way it spills out is that she starts um, she starts kind of channeling the voices of the women who have been close to her in her life, and um, so she's speaking um, through her. They are speaking and letting people know how unhappy they are with the situations they've had to put up with in their life as a result of the um, the tight constraints around women in, in South Korean society. So really interesting um, way of doing this. So she's basically having a, a breakdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from that point, um, the book is written as a case study and it sort of um, is outlining events of her life from when she's um, born right through to the current day. And as part of the passage through her life, you also get a look at her grandmother's life, her mother's life, the lives of her friends, her sister. Um, so you get a bit more of a well-rounded view of how things have been um, changing across generations, but also how a lot of them are stubbornly kind of staying the same. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it sounds as though it's a really universal story. It is. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, Interesting thing about... um, South Korea is an extremely modern society mm-hmm. in many, many ways with a really highly educated populace. But um, the society itself is still very, very patriarchal. Um, South Korea has the largest gender wage gap in the Western world. It's 64 cents to the dollar for oh, women's heavens. pay. Very, yes. Yeah. And um, there's a much uh, lower chances of career progression, um, uh, certainly when you if you take time off to go and have kids then you're very unlikely to come back into the workforce full time and there's actually lots of um, structures around um, both in the domestic sphere and also in the professional sphere that that sort of serve to keep keep women um, in a really constrained um, sort of narrow channel in their lives yes so it's quite um, quite an asymmetry there really isn't there between the sort of because there's such a modern that's um, right. I'm doing quotes um, yeah. in my head or in my with my hands, but um, and technologically advanced, and the yes. libraries are everywhere, and you know that's right, yeah, and, and yet you've got this other side of life as well. That's right, and women um, are going through the education system and getting a fantastic education, but they're not really able to use it, so much less likely to become managers in a society. And as I said, um, yeah, there's a low um, low expectation on women in the workplace because the expectation is that just about everybody is going to go off, have children and never come back. Mm, so mm. it makes it really, really difficult. Um, the writing style is, is really interesting. Um, it's a really short book. It's um, less than 200 pages. And the writing style is very blunt, a matter of fact. So it's basically like, this is how it is. And it's interspersed. It's a sort of interesting blend of fact and fiction. It's got some refer- um, lots of referencing in there um, with um, facts and stats uh, um, about Koreans' women's lives, so official stats. And um, the effect of that sort of writing style has this... Because it has got that sort of, this is how it is, but then at the same time you're also getting these little frustrated asides um, with conversations from the women in the book um, with each other around um, issues that are going on. So there's this sort of muzzled mutiny going on. Wow. Oh, it sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. really good. Um, some of the some of the statistics and some of the stories in the book are quite confronting. Um, oh. Sexual harassment is really um, prevalent over there and it's really minimised and often goes unpunished. So, yeah, there, there's some really frustrating situations in here. Um, but also you get a strong sense of the, the strength of the women there mm. and the ways that they try to... Um, to kick against the the pricks, if you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that sort of resilience um, is often what comes through quite strongly, I guess, doesn't it? Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, interestingly, um, South Korea has a really um, they've got a real history of change through protest. So I actually hold up great hope for South mm. Korea and its women. Um, they managed to bring down the country's dictatorship in 1987 oh, with yes. protests. And I can remember that actually. Yeah. yeah. And there was demonstrations in 2016 and that led to the impeachment of the president. So, yeah, I think there's a strong, there there is um, a strong sense of change, but I think perhaps the change for women will come more slowly Mm. because they've been in it for so long. Yeah, so go figure. They're um, the last ones to get on the bus. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. but I think, you know, they're starting to get on strongly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Despite there's a lot of going on in there. Yes. Oh, how interesting. I'm going to... Look out for that, and because there are other Korean authors that are 
that's sort of writing along those lines. Yes, absolutely. Um, one that you might want to check out is um, Han Kang, um, the vegetarian. Oh, um, yes. She's got a few that yeah. have um, human acts is another one of hers. Um, Kyun Suk Shin, Please Look After Mother, really interesting. And one that I just read recently as well, Frances Char's If I Had Your Face, which looks at expectations of beauty around um, plastic surgery, which is extremely mm. high in South Korea, um, and around the low wages and limited choices and how, how women sort of try to navigate that with their lives. Mm. Oh, goodness. Yeah, oh, that sounds awesome. Thanks for those recommendations. Mm, no worries. Something to, to look forward to. Um, now, speaking of... Um, women and perhaps the expectations around their lives and and that sort of thing. Mm. I've been reading this fantastic memoir this week and it's called Uncanny Valley, um, a memoir, and it's by um, a woman called Anna Wiener and um, it's an American, she's an American writer, mm-hmm. young-ish, she's a millennial and um, I'm just loving my millennial writers at the <laughs> Absolutely. moment. It's great. They're very honest, eh? Yeah, yeah, and we're in good hands, I think, I or, think you know, so writing's too. in good hands. So, and Uncanny Valley, it's available in both hard copy and in e, e-versions oh, cool. through Overdrive. So that's that's good. And when I started reading this, I was reminded um, a little bit of the book you were talking about last time we got together, and that's the one called Days of Distraction by uh-huh. Alexandra Chang. Oh, yes. Her, him, her <coughs> memoir. Because it's about... Um, Working in Silicon Valley, um, oh. amongst you know the the sort of nerdy bro culture that <laughs> you've got there, um, uh, working for people like Google and Facebook, you know all the big tech yeah. companies and the, the big startups ah. that are um, all happening around us and making huge amounts of money. And so this um, this young woman, um, she's really well educated and um, she's got a good degree uh, it's been working kind of like an intern for a publishing company mm-hmm. in New York and has the idea of escaping over the the continent to San Francisco right and gets the opportunity to work in a, a tech startup so you know what could possibly go wrong it <laughs> sounds amazing um, and but what you know and she's um, thinking that oh because it's all run by young people mm-hmm. it, you know surely you will have you'll escape the sort of misogyny that is all everywhere in our society and the me too mm-hmm. all of that sort of thing none of that will a- apply but she kind of finds out that she lands in um misogyny version 2.0 <laughs> um but um and so you've got all these uh well not that many unfortunately but highly qualified young women and even though they're earning mega bucks, mm-hmm. they're essentially being treated like handmaidens. Oh, good grief. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of frustration. And um, I know it, I'm making it sound a bit depressing, but it's really not. It's so well written and she's witty and she's clever. Yeah. Um, like so much of the millennial writing, as we're discovering, uh, you know, mm. really honest, as you, as you were saying. Um and um, it's really fresh, and it's got um, it's got quite a sort of vigour about it. Something I don't know that I'm explaining it that well. No, it sounds great. But um, also, it's uh, very interesting because she talk she describes really well how um, 
ordinary people have been priced out of the housing market in places like San Francisco and Oakland, ah, California. Because of the big influx yes, of new tech. The, the new tech <coughs> and the, this massive wealth that, mm. that's coming in. So that's kind of... Um, sad too and she talks about I mean you see it happening here too but she first rents a room in a house in the mission area of San Francisco which mm-hmm. is where um was always quite an ethnic neighborhood and then it was bohemian and all this sort of stuff but now it's just um so gentrified mm. um and it's almost like everyone's being sold this a lie basically um so it's, but I'd highly recommend it. it sounds but excellent, yeah. Now I do need to come to my curve, if that's okay. Please like go into your curve. Alison, the, the curve crusher. Because yeah. the title Uncanny Valley is actually very clever. Because in Uncanny Valley, you probably know this, I think. I've discovered something. No, go for it, go it's, for um, it. It's a mathematical concept or and sort of maths slash um, sociology mm-hmm. um, concept. And um, it's got a beautiful curve. I love a good curve. And then there's a massive dip. Um, oh. But it describes how um, people are re- human beings are really attracted to robots until they're not. <laughs> so And so I guess it's like we think, oh, Silicon Valley, it's going to be the best thing ever until yeah. we discover it's not. <laughs> you get right into it, get yeah. really up close. Yeah. yeah. So, that sounds excellent. But um, yeah, highly recommended. Oh, um, it's, a, it's a good one. It sounds really, really good. Mm. Yeah, I've been reading a, a memoir as well this week. Um, this one's probably the opposite end of the spectrum. So this one's um, set in the UK. Um, it's called Lowborn, Growing Up, Getting Away and Returning to Britain's Poorest Towns. Mm. And it's by Kerry Hudson. Um, so Kerry was, um, she grew up in extreme poverty in the UK. Um, she Her childhood was sort of full of transients and her mum struggled with um, drug and alcohol addiction. And part of that meant that they were constantly shifting from town to town um, from Aberdeen all the way down down um, through Norwich and different areas oh. of the UK, um, never really settling in one place long enough to to put roots down. Um, and when we join her in this book, it's 20 years on, um, and she's now a published author. So Kerry's um, a published author, but she actually feels as if she's a fraud hiding in plain oh. sight. Um, she's got all this background of trauma and um, poverty, but in the literary world, um, which obviously in the UK particularly, is it's pretty elite and yeah. um, there's a lot of money involved. Um, so she's sort of walking in this world and feeling like... Yeah, like she's a fraud, basically. Mm, that and whole that, imposter syndrome. That's I right, guess, yeah. imposter syndrome. And she's sort of part of her childhood um, tr- um, trauma is resulting in panic attacks and anxiety mm. and so on. Anyway, she gets a contract to um, um, to write. She decides she wants to sort of explore her past a bit more and explore how she got where she was. So she gets a contract to write a book about her childhood. And as part of the research, she um, travels back to all of the different um, places that she'd lived in in childhood. She wanted to see how they looked from her perspective as an adult, as a person who is now kind of sitting pretty firmly in the middle class or um, and see what's changed in that time and also whether she can find out a bit more about why her life was the way it was, really. So she um, she starts this process of, of visiting these towns 
And while she's um, she's visiting them, she she manages to uncover some secrets about her childhood that she wasn't aware of. Um, she always had all these unanswered questions about um, why they moved at that oh. time from that place, um, how this particular person, for instance, um, her mum had uh, a few different boyfriends at different places and because her mum was um, poor and struggling, you know, there was a sort of reliance on um, boyfriends coming mm. in and helping, helping, but that also put her in a compromising position yeah. and therefore the children as well. Um yeah, so she she manages to uncover some family secrets and one of the sad things about the book is that because of the relationship that she has with um, her mum, they're basically estranged. She's basically decided to cut the cord with her mum because she's experienced so much trauma in her mm. past. Mm. Yeah, so it's a really personal account. It looks at um, how the policy decisions that were made at the time when she was growing up affected her family's position. Oh. And she also looks at um, the personal accounts of how uh, interactions with different people had different effects. So, you know, whether she was bullied or um, kind of put down by people and then the times when she was brought up by people um by teachers she mm. actually mentions librarians oh cool. yeah and social workers come out looking pretty good yeah you know yeah. she was very um she was very complimentary about libraries and how yeah. they helped in her life it's sad isn't it to think that um a life can be reduced to i'm just sort of thinking of a series of transactions yeah um it's thinking about like with the mother's relationships and then even the government policy often looks like often looks at mm. at families and real lives at just as a transaction and a number, a number. yeah yeah that's, dollar so, sign or that's a, so true yeah yeah and she oh. she sort of said about how the um those those interactions as you say could have massive effects up and down in mm. her life yeah in terms mm. of the turning points so she had a big turning point and it was to her benefit but she still carries guilt about the fact that that didn't necessarily pull up other members of her family oh, yeah yeah so that sounds like a, a good one really good read to yeah. read well um i've been reading one and it's a bit of a segue um and it's one um about so-called normal families because you know what is a normal family True. but this one oh this was great um it's called a nearly normal family and it's a novel by um a swedish writer called mt edvardsson mm-hmm. um and he he's one to watch actually so it's a um scandinavian crime thriller mm-hmm. um it's so good um set as i said in sweden it's a real slow burning mystery um that features an, an absolutely normal i'm doing my quote, <laughs> quote marks again normal everyday family they're well respected in their community they're pretty well you know reasonably well off yeah. comfortable um everything's going well for them and suddenly they find that their teenage daughter is the suspect in a murder that's sort of shocked the the small town that they live in. Um, Now, it's absolutely riveting um, for a a crime novel. The the difference between a lot of crime novels that are quite popular, this one, it's not a slash and burn sort of book that's got shootouts and car chases and fight scenes and all that sort of stuff. It's not even... um, that sort of full, full-on Scandinavian noir that we, that some people might think of. Sure. Um, although it's 
definitely got a, a Scandinavian feel to the story. Um, things like things that are described so well are those <laughs> cups of coffee. You know Ooh, that the yes. yeah makes me want to pour one now. <laughs> and um, even riding, right, they ride their bikes everywhere because they're on fairly flat. Land and so lucky. Yeah. So it's got a Nordic sort of flavour to it that comes through like that. Yeah. Um, and yet it's it's also universal. Um, this sort of trauma, mystery, drama, it could happen to any family anywhere. True. Um, so I probably won't say much more about it, but if you want a good read, a good mystery, um, to have a read of this. Really and compelling. Some yeah. of the questions are, you know, how well do you know your own family members? You'll never look at your own family um, the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, what what would you do to protect them? And what happens when your moral compass gets thrown Ooh. off and everything goes south? Interesting. Sounds like The Dinner by Herman Koch. Oh, Dutch book. right. Yeah, which has some of those questions are definitely posed in that book too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, no, go for it. Oh, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Um, so, shall I, while I'm on the topic yeah. of, of, I don't know what I'm on about, but of books <laughs> that sort of absolutely blew me away, <laughs> can I tell you about Scribe by oh. Alison Hargy? Please do. This is so good. Oh, my God. It's like some sort of prophecy, basically, because... <laughs> Get a load of this. So I'm hand-waving again, but (laughs) it's set in the USA of the very near future. Okay. There's been a pandemic and a civil war, and um, much most of the population has actually died because of the the civil war and the... The the, combo. The combo, yeah. Yeah. That sort of combo with an extra, with a large Coke <laughs> thrown in. And all the. Shouldn't in- be laughing. Sorry. Yeah, we shouldn't actually. <laughs> no. And all the infrastructure's gone. There's no government, no hospitals, no communication technology. And we're in a survival of the fittest mode. Ooh. So, does this sort of sound like anywhere we <laughs> might be thinking of? It does. It could happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's kind of a bit like the Hunger Games part. Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. but it's definitely different enough to be able to stand on its own own merits. Um, so, because in this dystopian America, um, anyone who can read and write has enormous power, um, basically because literacy has been lost through the throughout the war and the oh, and the plague. Fascinating. So, and it's a very feudal society, and um, the part that. Um, the author writes about is um, in Virginia, West Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, oh no, yes. Don't get me started. I'm going to start singing. <laughs> um, anyway, but um, so, but the the woman who's the main character is a, is just known as the scribe. She okay. doesn't actually have a name, and her literary she has literary literacy skills, uh-huh. um, and so she can trade them for essentials like um, firewood and food. And oh, that's such thing. an interesting concept. Yeah. yeah, and so she writes letters on people's behalf, mm-hmm. and then she'll travel to places and she'll read the letters to other people. Mm. So there's an element of her of confessional about it too, because people have to come and talk to her and confess their... Ah, or their maybe, deepest, darkest... Yes, sins, their desires, mm, whatever. Interesting. So it's a short novel, quite dense, but 
highly recommended. Um, if anyone wants to read about dystopian Sounds futures. really, really interesting. But, yeah, it's a bit chilling, especially in our, our current... Um, close to the bone? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Hey, fascinating. That sounds like a great novel for the time. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, now you've got, I'm sure your TBR list is... Oh, still stacked. Still stacked. The, the next one on my list um, for TBR is a very short one. So this one is going to help me to, to bring that curve down. Um, it's Before the Coffee Gets Cold by, uh, by Toshikazu Kawaguchi. Um, this is a little short novel. It's a little whimsical read um, set in Tokyo in a little cafe. And the cafe has a reputation for um, time travel. Oh, wow. So the idea is that if you um, come to this cafe and sit in a particular seat at a particular table, you will be able to time travel back to a time that um, has been bothering you. Uh, when you get there, however, you have to stay in that seat and the, the people that you meet are only people who, can, who have ever been to that cafe and you will not be able to change the past Really, the, the major benefit is that you might be able to reconcile yourself to what happened wow. with oh. that person. Yes. That sounds so good. I was thinking you were going to say, um, and when you sit down in the, the cafe, a cat will come and sit on your lap. There but are a lot a, of cats in Japanese oh, fiction, aren't yeah. there? They're featuring all over the place. <laughs> the cat cafe. <laughs> that's true. Yes. That's true. They have owl cafes too. They have all sorts oh, of cafes over right. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the idea of the thing before the coffee gets cold, you have to have... To have um, got yourself back to the present by the time the coffee oh. before the coffee gets cold. That's where that Wonderful. comes from. Wonderful. Oh, I can yeah. put that on my list as well. So I think probably if you're if you're one of those people who gets really hung up on the um, the nuts and bolts of time travel, this one may not be for you. There's probably glaring holes. For me, it doesn't it doesn't bother me yeah. whatsoever. I'm quite happy to just take take the trip. Yes, I yeah. don't know anything about time travel, so yeah. I probably just enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Hey, and um, I last night I just picked up my copy that I've been waiting for for a while of White Fragility, oh, um, yes. and that's the one by Robin D'Angelo. was published a couple of years ago, but it's um, absolutely required reading now, I think, for anyone that's wanting yes. to stay abreast of what's happening in the world um, with the um, Black Lives Matter movement and absolutely. huge it's social excellent. change. Yeah, yeah, that's shot to the top of the bestseller lists, isn't it? Yes. Bestseller lists and, um, yeah, uh, the library holds queues as well. Yes, yes. very, very popular. Yeah, but we've got it in hard copy and e- e-book as oh, well. So, good to know. Yeah, I'd advise anyone to put their name down for it. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't wait to to get into that. Yeah. Awesome. And um, now we had some news as well, didn't we, in the library about 10 million? That's right. It's yes. been a big week for um, for Auckland Libraries and eBooks. So, um, on Sunday, the second of August, just before five pm, we had a milestone for Overdrive of the ten millionth um, eBook loaned um, during Auckland Libraries' partnership with Overdrive. That's fantastic because yeah. it's a huge amount, isn't it? It's a huge number. So um, we hit five million just 
um, two years ago in 2018. Right. So um, it really speaks to the um, popularity of e-books um, and the rising popularity, particularly mm. during lockdown, of course. Yes. We saw a massive bump of people going getting into e-books. Um, the 10 millionth title was The Warmth of Other Suns, The Epic Story of America's Great Migra- Migration by Isabel Wilkerson. And this is a book that really ties in with Black Lives Matter as well because it tells the history of um, African Americans leaving the South, um, looking for opportunities in the North between 1920 and 1940s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, how appropriate. Isn't that a really appropriate title? It is. It's really yes. a really good title for the year. It's, mm. It really shows um, uh, an area of interest that um, Auckland Library's customers have been really flocking yes, to. they really have, haven't they? Yeah. Yes. Oh, cool. So that's a really good news story. Yeah, it's really yes. fabulous. So yeah, if you haven't already jumped on the e-reading bandwagon and you want to give it a go, jump in. Yeah, wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that. So, And yeah. congratulations to the, the customer. Absolutely. Well done, and thanks, yeah. thanks to all of our Auckland Library's customers who have helped us get to that milestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's huge, isn't it? Well, look, I think we've um, covered quite a bit of material today haven't we um lots to read lots to think about oh, and always lots of curves to to crush which <laughs> i always like um so to our listeners just a reminder that the books mentioned on the show today they'll be listed on our blog um and that sits on the auckland library's website and all of this can be accessed via the Planet FM website and both addresses are coming up as part of our closing music. So until next time, folks, happy reading. Harera Kakite Ano. by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day.